Welcome to the Nopalera podcast, a place where I share the journey of building my company from the ground up, as well as the stories of others in our community. I am your host, Sandra Velasquez, founder of Nopalera, a culture-forward brand that celebrates and elevates culture. Aside from making great products, we are cultural storytellers with a mission to inspire our community to stand in their worth. In this podcast, you will hear a mix of solo and guest episodes around the entrepreneurial realities of building a company. I launched Nopalera from my Brooklyn apartment with no outside funding while working three jobs, raising my child in the middle of the pandemic at the age of 44. Thank you for joining me on this journey. I hope it inspires you to live boldly. Karina Martinez is the founder of Ivana Creative. After working for some of the largest household names in beauty, Karina started Ivana Creative in 2018 to create an agency that better advocated for the representation of diverse backgrounds and innovative ideas in media. Working to redefine the American palate and celebrate heritage-inspired foods is also part of Karina's mission. To further support this work, she recently co-founded The New American Table, a coalition of industry veterans, founders, venture capitalists that create systems to break barriers in the food system. By putting the work and playing a role in creating more equity in these spaces, it is her mission that women of color, immigrants, and queer persons always know their story is worth sharing. I'm excited for you to hear this conversation with Karina. Let's dive in. Karina, welcome to the Nopaleta podcast. How are you? Hello, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having this chat with me. For everyone out there that's listening, I already know and love Karina. She is my publicist. So, you know, I am biased already, but I want everyone else to meet Karina. So tell us, Karina, when you had the idea to start your own publicity firm, if that's in fact what the idea was, like who were you at that time? What were you doing? What was going through your head when you decided to embark on this now amazing journey that you're on? Thanks. Well, honestly, I never ever envisioned being in PR, which is so funny because I have a political science degree and I actually double majored in comms, but I always thought like comms was a joke. I was going to go be a lawyer and do cooler things. And, you know, fast forward, I learned that law wasn't always the first avenue to make change. And so I ended up kind of in marketing on accidents and really just fell in love with stories and what stories could do and how stories could have an impact. But I was 23. I had literally almost no experience, couldn't keep a job to save my life because I have ADHD and being in a room and being confined to someone else's schedule was impossible. So I found myself recently graduated, had been almost fired from three jobs in less than a year and really unsure what was next. And I just knew that if I continued this path, that would be like the most unemployable person in the world to have all these jobs with like such a short history. So I just kind of like started to figure out like, what is it that I love? And my last job that I had done was at a PR agency. We primarily work with big brands, really fancy activations. And it was one of those things where like, I loved the work, but not the job. And so I thought, okay, interesting. Like there's a version of this that exists that I can actually love. And it's been a three and a half year journey of kind of discovering that. But the version of the company now is so different than it was three and a half years ago. I was talking about this recently, but I think like building this has kind of been my own becoming and unbecoming. Because at first it was like, I just want to like represent really fun brands. I want to represent brands that are fun and that like I would use. 
And then little by little, as the stories of the people would unfold and I would get to know founders like yourself, it became really apparent that the stories and the brands that I was attracted to were the ones that were similar to my upbringing, whether it was because they were Latina founded, they've came from an immigrant background, or they were trying to kind of change a narrative in some space, in some way. And so that's kind of how it accidentally happened. And one day I look back and we had like five or six clients that kind of fell within this ethos. And I look back and I was like, you know, I think there's an opportunity to do something so different. And because I have so many different intersecting pieces, I felt like I could offer something that other folks couldn't. So that's been kind of the journey, but I never imagined being in PR. I actually would laugh at it when I was younger If you look at the agencies and the people that work in PR, they look totally different than me and present themselves in a really different way. And so I just felt like I never fit in. And so I I never imagined being here. And I love that you don't fit in. And you're so right, because when I was looking for a publicist, and I'm sure I shared this with you at some point, everyone just has like this perfect hair. They look like everything is a photo shoot. And I mean, I get it. It's publicity, right? Like you want to hire people that are professional and whatever, right? But as a brand founder, I also did not feel connected to them. And I almost kind of gave up because I knew that I wanted a publicist, but I couldn't find someone that I could connect with. And then I begged you to take me on. (laughs) You were doing only food at the time. And I was like, please, please, please. Now I've told every beauty brand I know, I'm just like hire Karina. So I love that story. And I love how transparent you are, like on LinkedIn, sharing your journey. Like I love your TikToks. So you decide, tell me more about like this moment. I mean, when you say like, you know, one day I realized we had these five clients, but did they come to you? Did you seek them out? What was that process like really getting off the ground? It wasn't, I mean, like the journey is so weird because when we first, first started, it was like social media with some PR and it was primarily restaurants. And so the first year and a half of business was in primarily restaurants, hospitality, I had a little bit of like, because of my policy degree, I understood local government. So I did some work with businesses there and in the city of Long Beach, but then the pandemic happened. And so the first things to go were restaurants and there was no way that I could ask restaurants three weeks into this pandemic to rehire me or to go after that. That made no business sense and it made no human sense. And so I found myself really at like a really interesting cross point where like I could keep going and really just change it all together or I could put an end to it and find a job. And, you know, doing my research, I figured out that consumer packaged goods really were like an area that was going to grow and seeing like even my own spending habits, going to the market more often, buying online. I thought, okay, this might be a category that works. I think for me in that journey and being in the pandemic, some of the things that we love to do were cooking. And since I was no longer going to my family's house anymore, like the things that we were trying to cook at home were flavors of my family and flavors of my heritage. And so then that led me into a little bit of a search and figuring out what are the brands that are bringing pieces of my culture to the home? Really in that was kind of how it kind of started. It was never the intention to be a company that focuses solely on these things, but I think it was kind of an, a both people found us and we found them. And I really just started to fall in love with myself during this time. I really fall in love with like all of my unique pieces. I started to learn a little bit more about my culture and utilize the brand that I've built as an opportunity to learn and to advocate. And I think it really just started through social and through social media and people would find us through there. 
I mean, mind you, at this point, like I had been posting on social for like six months, had no clients, but just kept pushing on. And I was like, somebody will bite. I don't know who, but somebody will. And, you know, we were starting to be seen as like a brand that was really inclusive to everybody. And I think it took me about six months after losing everything. I mean, we had 11 clients that I had worked really hard to get for a year and a half at the beginning of March. And then we went down to one. And I think I had the one for all of March, all of April. And then I think by like the fall, I started to have two and then three. And then in early 2021, I think I ended up having about four or five. And this is still me by myself. And so I think like once those two or three kind of kicked off, I just used the hell out of them to like remarket them and really kind of build our narrative and try to find brands that replicated it, replicated their mission, replicated their stories. Didn't always get it right, but that was kind of how it happened. And it seems like an accident, but I think looking back, I was just trying to be so authentically me and and use like our social and my social and our LinkedIn and everything in between as an opportunity to like find myself. I mean, I grew up in Orange County and which if you're not familiar is a very... I'm familiar. (laughs) (laughs) To those who are not, it's a very, how do I say this? There's not a lot of culture, specifically Latin culture. And if you are Latino or of color, you're usually stereotyped in these areas or work in certain job descriptions, uh, live in certain zip codes. You know, I had friends that were primarily not Latino or of any culture or heritage. And so it made me kind of take a lot of steps back and really be ashamed of that version of me, be ashamed of my hair, be ashamed of where I come from, be ashamed of even like, I even hate saying this, but like my dad, he didn't have a corporate job. And so he would come to my soccer games, not dressed in a suit and tie, like all of the other dads. And sometimes that would embarrass me. And so I think in building this, I started to learn one, how many people like me were starting to also like unbecome, if you will. And, and also allowed me a place to finally like talk about these things openly. And I use that as an opportunity to be different as an agency, because for the first time I felt like there was an agency that understood it and we could do that and we could advocate for stories like mine. And so that's kind of the journey in like a really long winded way. No, I love that. So it's you in the beginning doing everything and your job. I mean, you know, I used to work in sales, as you know, the constant cold pitching and constant rejection, like this is not a job for the faint of heart. You know, you send like a hundred emails and like 90 get ignored. (laughs) So like how, like, like what is required, I guess, to be able to push through that? Not everyone has this, that they can do that, right? They would just give up in like a day. So like, it's just you alone. We're in the pandemic you know what I'm saying? Like, this is before you have a team. Like, what, what does it take? Like, what are you doing? Are you like, just tell me what you're doing every day to like help you like do this. I, are you like I listening mean, to heavy metal? Are you working out? Tears, <laughs> a lot of tears. I mean, I think like, I and I talk about this openly, but I look back and I think that entire transition, I had no idea what PR looked like, like at all. Again, I had really bullet point experiences from my agency that I worked at for like maybe 90 days. And then I had done a couple of like grand openings for local restaurants or hired prior to the pandemic. I never really had an answer to like the storytelling piece of it. I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I knew that's what like resonated with me. And even if it was my own personal mission to do it, 
but I didn't have experience. And so a lot of it was imposter syndrome because I had no idea what a pitch looked like or what subject lines look like, how often I should follow up. Do I attach a photo or not? Do I backlink? Do I, and those are just like structural things that to this day I still have questions about. You know, like I think the, the normal trajectory is like, you know, someone starts a job, they become somewhat of an expert in it for X amount of years, work their way up some corporate ladder then decide, screw it, I'm doing this on my own. But they come with a structural history and experience. And so therefore, they can market themselves saying like, hey, I used to work for X brand, now I started on my own and look what I can do. I was eight to 10 months out of college with one internship that I like halfway slept through. Sorry, mom. Um, And (laughs) (laughs) just a lot of hope. And so I almost had an entry-level job and was an expert at the same time. And that was so hard, especially during a pandemic. People were asking me how to navigate this. I was like, I don't, I have no idea. And so the beginning of it was just a lot of trial and error. Like, I'm sure I did so many things wrong, quote unquote. I think after a while, when like we started to see success, I stopped thinking about what do others do and just what's working for me. And I think that's been our gift And I always call us now like the bad news bears (laughs) of PR because looking at the founders that I compete with or are seen in their same category, they're a lot older than me. They come from the same cut cloth of like doing at an agency, working their way up. Now I have my own agency or did it in-house. Now I do it for myself. And I have just kind of trialed and errored it a lot. But I guess to give you the answer of like how it works, I think the biggest thing that we love to do is we love to tell stories through our brands and and change narratives through our brands. So really it's a lot of research of figuring out like what are the right people, what are the right outlets that want and would care about this story and how do we connect person and outlet to our clients and bring those two together. And I think the biggest piece that people forget when it comes to any type of media is that media doesn't owe us anything. And they're a business in and of itself. And so just like our clients are a business in and of itself and bringing value to their customers, they have to bring value to their customers, which are readers. And so being super value driven is our most important thing is how can we provide value to this person from using our clients? Is it about like, hey, no offense, you've only covered these types of backgrounds. Like this is a new background that we can shed a lot of light in and we have an expert that can talk about that. Or is it these things are trending? Here's how we can bring value. Or a lot of people on your social media are saying that, like, where are the Latinos? And here they are, you know? And so that's kind of the way that it works. And there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes. But I think when we can bring value based on the people that we work with, that's where we're seeing most success. I think that's such a great point for everyone to understand because we often think, We're just trying to get into magazines. We want people to care. We want people to care. It's like you have to answer the question, why should they care? (laughs) Why should they care? And I mean, that's true for founders too. Like you're creating a brand, you're creating a product. Why are people going to care? Why are people going to buy it? You need to answer those questions because then you position it, you know, and you create the thing that people need, right? So when, Karina, did you realize that you're doing it all by yourself? You're like shutting your house at the pandemic. (laughs) When did you realize that you needed help, that you needed to hire your first person. And how did that go? (laughs) I mean, I probably needed help way before I hired. 
But I think my situation, because I was in a pandemic, was a little bit different because I wanted to make sure that there was longevity in this. Like, I think so many trends and so many things happened during the pandemic that are starting to fade again now. And so it took me a good year almost of this new business model to hire because I didn't know if this was something that was going to stick or if this was something that was a pandemic need. And then once people could do activations again and whatever, that maybe PR would die again. I have no, I didn't know. And so I didn't want to invest in people and and bringing people in and having them rely on us if I didn't know this was going to stay. And so Once my client roster became a little bit more than I could manage is really when I started to think about, okay, what are some of the things that I can offload and this person can do that would give me more time to grow the business or give me more time to like perfect the craft, whatever it was. And so that was kind of like the first go at it. And the first two people I hired were not great and (laughs) didn't last very long and most of it was like a mutual decision and and that even finding the right people was hard, especially like at the beginning, I didn't even know who we were. I was like, I just need help. Like I just need someone to help with media list. And I think it took me firing the wrong people in order to figure out what I really needed by like the third person that I had tried to bring on as like my like assistant or, or assistant to the team. That's really where I got it right. And that's funny enough, Itzel, who you know really well who just celebrated her one-year anniversary with us like a week or so ago. But that was really hard, is finding the right person. And I think particularly when you're an agency that's really niche, you're not a founder with a ton of experience, has some fancy credentials that like people are stoked to work under. I mean, I pay people a living wage, but at the time I didn't even offer benefits. I didn't even know what vacation packages were. You know, these are all the things that were going against me. And at the same time, like, I also didn't even really know who we were as a company. If you would ask me a year ago, we were a CPG agency and that's what we were. And we're totally different now. And we're finally, I think, on the right track. And so I had to, like, convince these poor souls to, like, (laughs) embark on this journey. I was like, I don't know where we're going, but I think you fit. (laughs) And just sell them on, like, the hopes and the dreams And that's like the corniest thing, but that's the truth. It was literally me in like this little studio apartment, like praying the business still existed in six months, but also hoping that like this person would want to join. And thank God Itzel said yes, because she's been a godsend. But that was hard as an early stage business. And also like being young and like all these different things that just kind of, I felt went against me and hiring the right people is the best thing you could ever do. I have heard this from so many people, right? That hiring, first of all, it's hard if you've never done it. And I just had a conversation with another founder who was saying that same thing. She hired the wrong people and she didn't fire them quick enough, right? And it can really just drain your business. And it's really hard because you're running a business all throughout this, right? So it's like, you don't have time to even like fire people. (laughs) You keep trying to like make it better and like help them and train them. But yes, it's so true. And I think what was especially hard for me is like, I was never a leader. Like I had entry level jobs. I didn't know what a boss was. I had never really led. I had never worked in agency before. So I didn't really understand like what processes to put in place. Again, I have ADHD. So like 
all of my things were scattered. Like I could tell you what's going on everywhere and I can tell you where to find it, but it's probably not in the file that it's supposed to be. I can tell you what's going out when and who's doing what, but it, there was no system. And so when Itzel came, she was like, hi, where's this? And I was like, in my head. But okay, you probably need to know where it's going, right? Okay, cool. Let me try to put this together for you. And so I had no, there was no roadmap for leadership, for business, for anything. And so it was not only like hiring the right people, but also like building a company for the first time in an industry that I had no real experience in. I feel you 100%. I had to also write down all my SOPs and it was so painful and it's literally my least favorite thing to do is to write a document of like, here's where to find this, here's the video tutorial, here's the login, here's all the procedures. But you need systems, right? Yeah. You can't function without it because otherwise everything's in your head and that is obviously not scalable, right? Not to mention what happens if you get sick, right? Everything's in your head and you, you know you can't function. So how big is your team now? Okay, so we have four full-time. We should be hiring a fifth today, hopefully, if all goes well. So we have five full-time probably by the time this goes live, and then we have two freelancers that come in and out on a part-time basis. So at any given point, I manage a group of seven people. That's amazing, Karina. I mean, I don't even manage seven people. That is amazing. You know, and I just, I know I relate to this so much because when you start a business, unless you have a co-founder, it's just you alone, like working on your laptop, on your bed, like at night crying, like I 100% know what that is. And in fact, that's still me sometimes. Okay. Let's, let's be clear. Okay. That does not go away. I'm really trying to not take my laptop into the bedroom though, just for the record. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So tell me about like what you've had to let go of or the work that you've had to do on yourself to become now the leader of a team of seven. I mean, you cannot be the same person that you were two years ago. No, I mean, I think like, what have I had to let go? I mean, so much. I mean, I think this is also, being a leader too has also been my becoming and also my unbecoming. I think I've never really been a control freak, but this process has made me a little bit controlling. I think the biggest thing I've learned is two things. is like the importance of leading like a human and treating people like humans. Again, I didn't come from big companies. I didn't know what CEOs look like. Truthfully, we're doing a lot of things differently, like in-house, like bleeding with my gut, which has been a really interesting journey for me. And just like trusting in the people that I've hired to take on the mission. And I think being 100% mission led has been the, like the thing that's been the most guiding. And I always tell the team and something that we've even changed the way that we think is you know, I think people think like we need to produce high quality so that our clients don't get angry so that we don't get fired and all of these things. And that creates a really pressure point moment throughout the day that we all feel at some point. But recently what I've done, instead of saying like, hey, this needs to happen because this client's going to be angry and that they're angry, X, Y, and Z happens. Instead, we say things like we need to be the best versions of ourselves every day at work because we primarily work with people from underrepresented, marginalized groups who have been told time and time again that they deserve less and that they deserve cheaper and shittier solutions. And so if we're shitty and we don't keep to our word or we don't produce the best or we don't try our best or we don't show up in the best form, all we're doing is aiding to the stereotypes that we're trying to break by saying that, 
we are a team that shows up half-assed and gives a half-assed solution to more people of color. And so instead of saying like, we need to do this because of X, Y, Z, it's like, is everything you're doing for the greater good of our community? If it's not take a step back or take a day off, I don't care. Right. Be slower, be more methodical, whatever it is you need to do, do it. Because again, if we continue to push through and create this harmful and toxic work culture, all we're doing is aiding to the stereotypes and that's not who we are. I love this so much. I keep hearing you say like about how you didn't have the experience, you didn't have the experience and you're leading with your gut. But I think that a lot of people that have these like agency experiences, they're doing things in that cookie cutter way because that's how they've been trained by others. And you have really created a business from your values, right? And you have created a value-based team with a very clear North Star. This is what it sounds like to me. And obviously I am biased because I know that you are this way, but even just hearing you say it back to me right now. So you've really created a new model. And honestly, it doesn't matter that you didn't work for an agency. Like no one cares because... All we care about is the work that you are doing now. And, you know, that's like when we talk about like chefs at restaurants, it's like you're only as good as the meal you made today, right? Or whatever the saying is. So it doesn't matter what school you went to or did not go to or what zip code you you lived in or did not live in. It's about what you're doing now. And that's everything. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that took me a long time to figure out. I mean, I still, I mean, I still every day go up against a, a version of it, but I used to think that not having these experiences or not coming from this cookie cutter background was a harmful thing to me. But I actually think it's been the biggest gift that I could get because I have no idea what the hell is going on in the agencies and I simply don't care anymore. Exactly. Sure. Like there are some wins that I wish I would have gotten for clients that I'm like, I wonder how they did that and I'll figure it out. But I think like when prospective employees interview with us or when I'm talking to prospective clients or when I'm talking to people, it's become so clear that we're so different. And that's because like, we are not afraid to be different. And I also think we are such an intersectional group that that is our superpower. Our superpower is that some of us are immigrants, that some of us are queer, that some of us come from this background. Some of us live in these zip codes. Some of us like, you know, have so many different experiences and we bring that because that's a value add to our clients and we have to suppress, Yeah, you know, I think like when you work in certain industries, you have to come and you have to be your most cookie cutter version of yourself and leave that piece of you at home. You have to assimilate. And mm-hmm. we say, hell no, like that, bring that, bring that with you. Like that's your superpower. And that's what breaks those barriers. And that's what gets those like open emails. And that's what gets brands like yours on the radar of our network. Yeah. It's so true. And I mean, my experience with you has been that every time I talk to you and we don't get to talk often, right? Because I'm like, I don't need any meetings, (laughs) but um, I'm like, I'm busy. Send me the updates is that I always feel that I'm talking to other human beings. That is not commonplace. I've worked with other PR agencies. I've worked with other publicists and there isn't that same level of like humanity and understanding you know, for, for who I am as a person. So that is your superpower. And I love that you've built this team of other superpower individuals. So what is it that you, before we dive into like the rapid fire round here of the five questions, like what's your vision for this to grow? Are you like, okay, we want to have 10 people or like, no, we want to stay small. We want to stay boutique or we want to branch out into other mediums. Like what are the things that get you excited about growing? So much. I mean, I think 
I was just telling my business coach the other day that I'm like three year three and a half. I'm like, I'm finally excited to be a little bit of a leader because I'm hiring all the right people to take off a lot of the, the weights. And so I feel like I'm at the brink again of being able to build the company of my dreams and not be able to work on it so much. But I think the vision and who knows, like even by the time this goes live, how different this will look. But the vision really is I don't have a number in place. I don't have like X amount of clients or like X amount of team members. But I think the vision is to be the most diverse group of people who advocate for the most diverse stories and to use storytelling in all of the ways to share our backgrounds and to rewrite cultural stereotypes. And I think the way that we've now broken it down is into three categories, which would be PR, which is our obvious, diving into brand partnerships and uh, management of talents, and then content and community will be our third pillar. And I don't know what that's going to look like, but it's really about my vision is if you're launching something that is changing a narrative that you're, we're the first ones you think of, whether it's a botanical line, whether it's a podcast or a movie or a big corporate partnership that you have with a small brand that's going to change something. Naturally, like I am Latina, I'm bilingual. So I think that will always be a really big part of who we are, but I don't want it to be the sole focus. We want to tell stories that are from all over the world. And so that's kind of the big vision. You know, I don't know what that's going to look like and how that develops, but it's thinking about not just PR or being a PR agency, but we're a storytelling team. And I think obviously media is a big way in which you consume stories, but we also consume stories through podcasts or we consume stories in collaborations or in product launches or in initiatives or you know, I think there's just so many ways that we can learn about the world that isn't just through a traditional, like, article. Totally. Right. Like, it's not just about Cosmopolitan magazine. <laughs> Although that's <Okay>. fun too. <laughs> um, Karina, this is awesome. I have some rapid fire questions here for you. Um, feel free to answer them as shortly or as longly. Is that a word? As you want. Okay. Number one, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Oof. So much. Um, I think the best piece of advice that I've ever received is, it's so silly, but to go with your gut and to really just lead with intuition because nine times out of 10, it's right. And I think by doing so, it's allowed me to be more human and to lead like a human and also fail like a human and be super open and honest and candid in that journey. I love that. What does success look like to you? A couple of things. I think success looks like building a team of leaders. Like that's been one of my favorite parts about like this newest journey of mine is now watching others succeed. And so being able to teach people to be better leaders. And I don't expect everyone to work with me forever or however long this exists, but I hope that people leave here and they are better. And I think success is freedom for everybody, not just me, like financial freedom, freedom of work-life balance, freedom to pursue all the things that you want to pursue and whether it's here or elsewhere. And I, and I guess freedom of time too because we don't have enough of that. Amen. Amen. Time is really 
our greatest, most valuable asset. 100%. You can always make more money. You can't make more time. Yeah. What does your perfect day look like? Don't hold back. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, well, I think a perfect day is everyone responding to my emails. <laughs> Honestly, the days that I love the most are any time that I get to be creative with the people on my team and not have to worry about like all of the little managerial things because I'm awful at project management and luckily my team isn't. And so anytime I just get to be in a room and be creative, that really is my ideal day. But I wake up at five in the morning, have my coffee and really just get to like have fun and be creative and then enjoy nature. I don't get to do that enough and really just be with my family. I can't believe you wake up at five. Good for you. Okay. You're my hero. Cause today I woke up at six and I was like, yes, I am awesome. And I mostly don't wake up at six. I usually wake up at seven thirty. It's nice to wake up. And I think that's been part of it because the team comes in at eight. So I have a few hours in the morning to like actually do the things that I need to do. So by eight, I'm like ready to answer any questions. Yes. I've heard, I've heard that this is true. When you wake up early, I'm going to try it out. What do you want to be remembered for? Ooh. The cliche version of me wants to like leave an impact somehow. The leader in me wants to change the way leaders are seen. And I think part of me really wants like younger girls, boys, or anybody in between to see they too can be successful in whatever way that means by being 100% themselves. But I really more than anything just want to be remembered for like joy, being a really happy and joyful person. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, Karina, thank you so much for sharing your story. Okay. I have loved to watch you grow. I mean, we both started with nothing and we have both grown together and that has been amazing to witness and I love that and I love sending everyone your way. <laughs> I hope that you can take on more clients. So yes, thank you so much. And anything else you want to add? No, thank you. I will say one thing that you don't know that's changed the way that I think about it. I think like maybe six months ago or something, you said to me that people are going to have my logo on their pitch decks. And I think that responsibility has weighed on me heavily in a great and like not in, not in a pressure point way, but in a way that was like, wow, that's how people see us. And that's life changing. So thank you for that. Yes. Thank you. I'm so glad that you're part of my journey. Wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, thank you. Visit nopalera.co to pick up your favorite self-care items for yourself and your friends and family. Join our mailing list to be the first to hear about new products and exclusive promotions and follow us on IG at nopalera.co. And if you are an entrepreneur looking for more real talk and resources, you can join my entrepreneurial newsletter from my personal website, sandraliliavelasquez.com and be the first to know when I host workshops and masterclasses. Everything is linked below in the show notes. Stay resilient.